Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I plan on interviewing as long as they, you know, give me the interview. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, but, but yeah, no. I'm, I, I enjoy the heck out of this and have had a lot of fun doing it. And again, I'm not discouraged at all. I know I have a vision of what this could look like in the future. Uh, plan to work that way, and, and that's what I do every day is work towards that goal, understanding what that looks like. You know, started the season off kind of on fire, and uh, it's, it's a defense that's sound in what they do. Um, front end, Mary up well with the back end uh, offensively they've been you know scoring points too so you know there, there's work that we're going to have to do there so it'll be a good challenge for us and uh, it's a great place to play you know I've, uh, i haven't been in the nfc for a long time playing up there a lot it's uh, it's a great atmosphere and, and fun spot to go win where's uh where's devin at yeah devin what's up man stand up bro so obviously like i played against y'all right when i found out he was a walk-on i'm like what the hell going on over there uh so first order of business i'm gonna pull i'm gonna pull rank right now and you on scholarship right dog So that, I guess that's what it feels like to flex a little bit as a head coach, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so congratulations, man. Obviously, he's the best shooter of all time, so you don't want him to get any looks at three, no matter what they are. Um, and then he's really, really good at the rim, too. So it's like, you really want him taking like those mid-range shots if, if, it's, if it's possible. So we just, just try to make it tough, fly around. It's really a team job. It's not, it's not just me out there. Well, that's one way to make a first impression when you land in West Lafayette. The new head coach of the Purdue, Purdue Boilermakers, Ryan Walters, giving Devin Mockaby a scholarship. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy Cook, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. I had to take a double take the first time I find out. I found out that Devin Mockaby was a walk-on. Did you? So did I. Yeah, had to do the same. And I don't know if it is just because the last two years now, prominent football programs in the state of Indiana have made drastic coaching changes around this time of year. But I give a tip of the cap to both the Purdue social media team at Boiler Football and then the Notre Dame social media team last year because a lot of those, I mean, sure, maybe you say there's not that one, not the walk-on one. That's I think that's a really special moment. I appreciate them filming that. But maybe all these interactions and all these just constantly rolling on film are, I think, cheapened at sometimes. People think it's all PR, but in order to see behind the scenes into situations you might not see otherwise as, as fans or as consumers of your favorite teams, the last two years getting to see uh, Tommy Reese mentioned that he's staying at Notre Dame uh, last year as a, as their offensive coordinator. Uh, they filmed that portion for you posted on Notre Dame social. Uh, and then today, Dan Mockaby or yesterday getting uh, a scholarship and instantly becoming a scholarship player. I appreciate both those athletic departments filming those and sharing them out there because they're very special raw moments for young athletes that in the Notre Dame situation uh, you're trying to figure out what the heck's going on because everybody that's been around you the past three or four years is, is leaving and abandoning ship and in a similar instance with Purdue everybody's trying to just tread water and figure out okay we got a bowl game coming up what's next for us so yeah I tip the cap to both of them 
And both those programs, the last two years, having to go through these very challenging set of circumstances, trying to scramble and find a head coach at the end of the season. And I appreciate raw emotion anytime it's presented in sports. A lot of those videos that college athletic programs put out are usually too touchy-feely for me. You know, uh, just a little bit. I get that. You know, because everybody gets followed with a camera now. Right. Everybody. Because every college now has grown enough to where they can afford the nice stuff and they have a videographer at all things. Now, to be fair, if I'm the Colorado Buffaloes, I am setting a camera everywhere that Deion Sanders is at. Amen. But for Purdue, I thought that was cool. Ryan Walters comes in. And, Jimmy, that's a hell of a way to set the tone. If you are a head coach, and quite frankly, we did discuss yesterday that Ryan Walters maybe was not the biggest splash for West Lafayette, and that is to be determined of what he can do in his tenure. But if you need to make a first impression on your guys, because I'm sure some guys sitting in that locker room are still a little bit shocked by the Jeff Brom news. I think any time a coach leaves, their own team is going to take that pretty hard, no matter what happens, unless you hate the coach, which I don't think happens a lot. But when you're a new guy and you need to come in and impress a Big Ten locker room, that's probably one way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's instant in the moment, emotional camaraderie. It's instant. It's like, wow, what a what a nice gesture. What a great move. This is the guy that's going to lead us. Like, that's great. Obviously, we are, I'm not going to do the math, but we are about a year away from games that actually matter in terms of what Coach Walter is going to bring to the table for Purdue. And the first step in all of that is how things operate on the recruiting trail, how things operate with those that are in the transfer portal. Uh, I've seen a couple different uh, players that have already made their decision and are, are headed to Louisville to uh, go play for Coach Brom. That all is going to be the most interesting part of this. Is It's great in the moment for those players, and I totally agree with you, Brendan, but my bigger concern if I'm a Purdue fan is the hire's been made. You read a little bit more about Coach Walters. You know what he did for that Illinois defense making them in just two seasons while he's there, one of the elite defense in the country. And then you look at all the stops he's made along the way, which we talked about yesterday. It helps you accept the hire and be happy with the decision and trust in Mike Babinski and the athletic department over at Purdue. But now it's okay. Let's hit the ground running and let's see what the first acquisitions are. First moves are for him. Once the off season arrives. Now I did want to say this as well, because you talked about, Coach Walters coming from Illinois. There was a story yesterday posted on ESPN.com, and this is probably widely known now, but pretty cool. Illinois is going to the ReliaQuest Bowl, and a lot of that was because of the defense that was set by Coach Ryan Walters. Again, the number one defense in the nation when it comes to allowing points, number two for allowing yards. Mississippi State is going to play their bowl game, the ReliaQuest Bowl, against Illinois. That's after head coach Mike Leach again died on Monday night after complications related to a heart condition. Uh, Jimmy, there is probably going to be storylines for Illinois, the fact that they're looking for a new defensive coordinator, but all the emotion on January 2nd, uh, I'm going to have the ReliaQuest Bowl on my television, or you? As am I. I mean, I, I try to consume as much of bowl season as I can, uh, both for <laughs> both from a betting perspective and both for just because I love college football. But that one is going to have a special place in my heart and the heart of a lot of college football fans. Uh, you talk about going through changes with when a coach leaves for somewhere, that's tough. When Man. the unforeseen, totally unpredictable instance of a coach passing away and Mike Leach, I mean, my, my heart breaks not only for Coach Leach's family. I know we talked about this yesterday, but we didn't talk enough about the players 
that are going to have to go out and play a football game. I mean, that's, expected to perform, right? And so that's yeah. My my heart goes out to that program, and and I'm I'm sure there will be plenty of remembrance and honoring of Coach Leach uh, in the lead up to and for that game. Rightfully so, but yeah, I mean that's that's an insane situation to have to go through as a college athlete. Uh, for forget the simplicity at that stage of of just a coach leaving for another job, but a, but a coach losing his life is just true tragedy, and I feel for those players. That's Jimmy Cook. I'm Brendan King. Eddie Garrison is here as well. Big one today on the fan. Joel Erickson from the Indianapolis Stars going to join us at one o'clock to preview the Colts and the Vikings on Saturday afternoon. That's part of two interviews that we'll have for you on the Colts today. Tim Roy, the play-by-play voice of the Golden State Warriors. He's getting sent to call tonight's game from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Tim will join us at 1.30. And Tim, I was reading about him last night, Jimmy. He's had a heck of a career when it comes to the NBA, especially out west, was in Sacramento too. So Mr. Roy will join us from the Golden State Warriors radio network. Paul Allen, who went viral for his call of the Minnesota Vikings-Buffalo Bills game. Was that around Thanksgiving? I believe it was. Paul Allen, the voice of the Minnesota Vikings, with us at 2 o'clock. And Allen Karpik will talk more on the hiring of Coach Ryan Walters at Purdue at 2.30. That's a big one. And again, Jimmy, we're going to be joined by truly what is like viral royalty when it comes to Paul Allen. I, f- I feel like everybody and their brother saw that thing of his call of the Buffalo-Minnesota game. Yeah, so I'm I'm on TikTok. Um, I don't really post on there, but I am. Uh, I have an account, and I my algorithm is pretty much sports. and Do- Mine's just dogs. That's my wife. My yeah. wife's is just dogs. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have some dogs mixed in there as well. But I was pulling for Buffalo because it mattered for the Chiefs as you're fighting for seeding. Didn't doesn't matter now that they lost to the Bengals. But I was pulling for uh, sorry Minnesota in that game against Buffalo, and they obviously won. And then you just find the TikTok a couple hours later, it popped up in my feed. And yeah, I mean it's the emotions of sport, and it's two play-by-play guys. BK, we understand that. Like it's it's special and raw when you have a team announcer that is fully devoted not only to his craft but to his team. And getting to see inside the booth like that, uh, I know they did it for. They've done it all over the place now. I, seen, I've seen I, WFAN they do right. one of the Alec Pierce big touchdown. The WFAN has had one in for John Sterling for the Yankees. Like it, it's all over the place. It's a great idea again from the social media staff for these places, and also gives fans another opportunity to experience the emotion of the moment. And Paul Allen has been a part of some fantastic moments and some heartbreaking moments that he's shown the emotional sleeve of all of Vikings nation the last 15, 20 years. So looking forward to getting a chance to talk to him for sure at the top of the two o'clock hour. Yeah. I mean, his style and and when it comes to being a play-by-play guy, you really do have a choice of of what you're going to be, especially if you are an announcer for a team. If you're doing network games, you're obviously split down the middle, but when you are a team's announcer, you certainly have a choice of how you're going to approach it. You're either going to be, you know, going to say it bleak. You're either totally fair or you're a homer. And, you know, Paul Allen, he has made a career out of being a Minnesota Vikings lover. And the video that went viral on TikTok, I thought it was excellent. The guy bleeds for that team. And how can you not bleed for that team right now, Jimmy? Because we're going to get to see it firsthand on Saturday. I have no idea if the Colts can stop that defense. I have zero idea if Matt Ryan can execute positive yardage on Saturday. What I do know is that the Vikings are just lost to the Lions. And I don't think you want to play this team after a loss to the Lions who were dead and gone a matter of two months ago. Yeah, it's not a game, and I, I did not 
placed any money on that game. That's not a contest that I would have been picking the lines in that situation. But I, I've stood by this watching the AFC South over the years, watching the AFC West over the years. Pick your division outside of, I guess, the Brady years, the AFC East were just seemingly every single time they took the field with a divisional opponent. I guess the Chiefs are kind of doing that now, but it just felt like it was going to be a win. Don't worry about it. For the most case, though, BK, those divisional games, you never know what's going to happen. I know you've been on the are the Lions a wagon train the last couple of I days. I think they are a wagon. Yeah, they, very, they very well might be. And as Detroit now suddenly in the mix of things for playoff push, that was a game they had to have at home. And yeah, I'm with you, though. I don't want any part of <laughs> I don't want any part of a frustrated Vikings group. This is a true Super Bowl contender in my mind. I have been surprised with how efficient Kirk Cousins has looked this year. Uh, there's times where I think he unfairly, sometimes fairly, but unfairly gets pigeonholed into a, a game manager-like role. Uh, he hasn't been that this year, and that helps when you have a proven veteran like Adam Thielen and a out-of-this-world young talent like Justin Jefferson. That's even not mentioning Dalvin Cook in the backfield. So they're an excellent team. They are what a lot of teams should model themselves after in terms of having a great balance of the passing game and the running game. And even though their passing defense has struggled as of late, we joked about it earlier this week, uh, the Colts passing offense has left, and I put this nicely, a lot to be desired this year to a point that I don't know how much it matters. I don't. I don't know how much it matters going up against a team that has struggled, even if they made Jared Goff look like an MVP frontrunner last year or last week. I don't know how much it matters for the Colts unless you're able to give which has happened a couple times this year, particularly in the Colts wins, unless you give time to Matt Ryan and you protect him, I don't know that it's going to matter that much. Yeah, JD says in the chat that the Lions are the hottest team in the league. Really, they are. But again, this was a team that was dead, dead in the water. And if you're a 10-2 team going in there, that's a game you just got to win, Jimmy, if you're Minnesota. And and they lost it. if If I was a Vikings fan... What I just said about the, all the divisions, forget that, throw out the window. I want to take care of business against inferior competition. You always you want have to take business. To. You have to take if, business. If you're a 10-win team, I, I, maybe if you're a 500 team, I get it. And you're, you're, I, you know, I love the in-the-hunt graphic that you always see on TV. Right. It's just like right. you see a random – the Carolina Panthers were in the hunt last week, according uh, according to CBS. So, who's not on that graphic, by the way? The Colts. The 3% Colts are not on there, <laughs> just to clarify that. I want to make sure we, we get that out of the way, that they are not anywhere near the uh, feeling around section of the – uh, outside looking in teams so. in the hunt somehow some way the Carolina Panthers are in the hunt but so I get it if you're an in the hunt team you go lose at Detroit Detroit's a good story they're hot I don't know what they'll finish as Jimmy if you're a juggernaut in this league if you're a Buffalo if you're a Kansas City if you're a Minnesota if you're a San Francisco those are games that Super Bowl teams don't lose I agree with you but you're the one that was quoting any given Sunday yesterday. It isn't any given Sunday. I mean, look at the Bills to the Jaguars last year. Like, weird things happen in the league. What is more telling, BK, and I think this is to your larger point, how do you respond after those disappointing losses? How do you not make it a trend? Because you can stumble once or twice over the course of the season, lose a division game here or there. The Vikings have a Colts team that by all accounts, at least from who we've talked to today, and I'm sure Joel will echo the same sentiment, are still a locker room that wants to fight for Matt Ryan, that wants to fight as hard as they can over these last four games. If you overlook the Colts and you stumble here, that's where I start to say maybe the Vikings aren't really a true contender this season. Maybe they are distant to, 
I mean, they're probably everybody would probably say they're just into Philadelphia right now, just what Jalen Hurts and company are doing out there. But maybe they don't belong in that same breath as Philadelphia. It is at any given Sunday league, but if it, to me, if if you're a juggernaut, you you just gotta go out there and and get the job done. I did want to get your thoughts, Jimmy, on one of the sound bites that played during the start, courtesy of Eddie Garrison. That was Jeff Saturday saying, "I sure hope so." When it is to interviewing, when it comes to interviewing for the Colts head coaching job, uh, Jimmy, he did win his first game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Since then, it's been a whole lot of not good. If this trend continues, does he get an interview for the Colts head coaching job? I think he's going to get an interview regardless. Because, I think, of, be, because, because of the of respect, what he's done. Yes. Because yes, of the respect yes, from the yes, organization? Be, be, or Yes. Yes. Okay. Because of the respect of the organization, because of the legacy of Jeff Saturday, because of what he means to the Colts as a member of the Ring of Honor, as a Super Bowl champion, as an ambassador for the franchise. And, and should that be your reason to get an interview? No. But it shouldn't be a reason to be named an interim head coach either. And that's what happened. Like, uh, consultant, throw it out the window. Like, I, I don't care if he was a, a behind-closed-doors consultant for however many years. That That's what this hire was. It was, we need stability, we need a change. Jeff, you're a, a legacy figure. You know the game of football. Uh, some people speculated because of the struggles of the offensive line. Maybe he could fine-tune it there actually in person. Let's give this a shot, see how it works. They've done that. It's been lukewarm to poor results. Not not a massive change. Like the, the situation, I don't really care who you bring in here midseason or late midseason like they did. I didn't really see a coaching candidate at this point in the year that was going to solve it instantly and suddenly make them a playoff team. So I don't necessarily bash on Jeff Saturday as much as others because my bar was like very minimal by compared to what Frank Reich was bringing to the table anyway. But... All that being said, yes, he gets an interview because it, I think that's just I think that's what Jim Mercy is going to do. I think that he's going to give him a conversation, have an interview process with him, but I don't think that he's the front runner for the job by any means. I don't have a candidate right now that is the front runner. I mean, I think a lot of people have thrown Sean Payton's name out there. I don't know how realistic that is. He's still under contract with the Saints technically. Yeah, don't you have to trade for yeah, him? Yeah, you'd have to do something to acquire him. And also, he said in an interview a couple weeks ago that it made it seem like he wanted to go to a team that's more championship ready than the Colts are so I don't know uh, but yes I think Saturday does get an interview whether it's right or wrong the same people that are saying it's wrong are the people that saying it was wrong for him to be the interim in the first place trading for a head coach is the to me one of the most unique concepts in sports because there you, you can't do it in half of the sports that exist like somehow you could do it in the NBA right somehow you can do it in the NFL you can't do it in the big leagues you can't trade a manager you can't trade an NHL head coach. I don't believe you can trade a a, 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 a soccer coach. You would know that more than me. I don't think so. Uh, well, it's not you, real. Yeah, you I mean, can't it's more trade transfer windows. You, you, you don't. You can't trade your crew chief in the middle of the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> you know, that's just one of the most unique aspects in sport. I, I I still don't understand how the process of trading your coach works. Uh, to put it into perspective, and maybe you have a similar reaction to this, like I was in what I would have been heading into freshman year at Indiana. And we we had the same freshman year. Uh, 13. Fall 2013. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we were both freshmen going into to Butler and Indiana, respectively. And when the Clippers Celtics did the Doc Rivers trade, I, I didn't I don't, I didn't know it was a thing. I was like, it, what? Like we're trading. My mind now? exploded. I didn't know what was going on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like the idea of that being a thing in the 
one of the most important sports and the most important sport here in America, one of the most important sports in the world in the NFL, like for that to happen would be a wild scenario. But again, it, we can't project what that trade would look like because it's it, there's two or three different hurdles you have to get over for that to happen. But again, I just mentioned Sean Payton because I know he's a name people have thrown out there. I don't have a top tier candidate in mind right now. Harbaugh has been another one, but would he leave Michigan? I don't know. There's ties there to the franchise. You're going to have decisions to make. I just don't think that Jeff Saturday would be your front-running candidate if I'm Jim Irsay. If he is, I don't see what his role is with this franchise other than a figurehead, and maybe he has the trust of the locker room. Those are the only two things I could think of, which, again, does the trust of the locker room really matter on a team that has four wins? I don't know. I mean, that only gets you so far. I'd want somebody that's a little bit more proven that I can trust with what Mike Chappell told us yesterday and what we kind of are aware of and what Colts fans have to come to grips with here is barring the next Patrick Mahomes walking through the door at West 56th, this is a multi-year process. And Ballard's been here a long time, so I understand it's it's like, oh, he's been here for so long, should he get that opportunity for this next process? That's not my point. My point is not you need more time with Chris Ballard. My point is whoever is the GM, Ballard or otherwise, because of the both the Colts are in right now, it is not a one-year fix. Just not. I want to piggyback of what you just said, and Eddie, I'll get to you in a sec, that does the trust of the locker room matter, as you said, when it's a four-win team? Does the trust of the locker room matter when it's maybe a high likelihood that the general manager may be packing his bags in the next two months and the new general manager would more than likely rehaul the roster and bring in his own guys? Does it matter that the guys in the current locker room have the morale when, likely, come March, this team's going to look a whole lot different. That's why I am, and I wanted them to do this at the at the break. If they were going to make a firing, I wanted them to clean house completely and start fresh. They didn't do that. They kept Boward. I know Colts fans might not want to hear this, but I trust Mike Chappell. And those conversations we had with Chappie yesterday, his tone and the way that conversation went leads me to believe that Jim Ursay still does, in fact, trust Chris Ballard, sees him as an architect for a vision where the Colts are back in contention and wants to give it another go. Now, again, that's just me speculating. Chap didn't directly say that, but he did say that Jim Ursay trusts Chris Ballard. So if that's the case, maybe he's still here. But, Brendan, your point about trusting within the locker room and within the organization, I would almost rather just have the hard flush, move on from Saturday, move on from Ballard, and start from scratch and figure out what pieces are still among this team that are pertinent to the future and where you need to go through the draft and build this team back so that they can be in contention for not just a one-year window, but for multiple years. What do you got, Eddie? My only thought on all of this is that if you were going to clean house and you were not going to bring Chris Ballard back, you would have already done it if you're Jim Mercy. There's no reason to have him around. Normal people. Normal people would have already done that. I think we're foolish to go in the mind of Jim Irsay and say that, like, I just don't know, man, because I, I know that Jim Irsay, at least from how he's perceived publicly, cares about his personnel, cares about his employees. And I think he still does have a level of trust with Chris Bauer. But, Eddie, to your point, that's why I think if you asked me today, is he staying or is he going, I would say Bauer has, has another year under his belt because Jim Irsay still trusts him. I don't think they're making that move. I'm just saying if you do... I would rather, if I was in charge, flush it all and start from scratch. 
Do you think Jim's giving Chris a little bit of a break because Ballard has not necessarily been the go-to guy in the last two quarterback decisions? Because Frank was responsible for Carson. Clearly, Jim Ursay told Chris to go out and go get Matt Ryan. I do not blame Chris Ballard for Carson Wentz. I don't either. I, 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 I don't either. I, I, and I, I think I that's why everything that was reported, which is that oh, it's Frank's it guy. Was, it was Frank's, Frank's guy. guy. Frank wanted him. Ballard had his hands tied, and that's the way they went with. And I'm not mad at Chris for for Rivers, even though he took you to the playoffs, Jimmy. Right, but they were they were very brash and confident that he was coming back for. Another oh, you're year. T- you're saying that that oh, that yeah. that's the part that that made me a little bit rubbed me the wrong way was the confidence after the loss to Buffalo that Rivers was for certain going to come back. So I don't necessarily blame as much for Rivers, just the way they talked about it publicly made it look like they got caught with their pants down and they didn't think that Rivers was going to like, they were genuinely surprised that Rivers was leaving. So that bugged me a little bit. The Wentz one, no, that was Frank's guy. I'm not mad at Chris for that, but it's fair to criticize Chris, which you kind of talked about yesterday, Brendan, that he does. He's not built this team the way that modern NFL offenses like to build, which is going outside in, and he's gone inside out instead. And that's where some of their biggest weaknesses have been. You talk about Quentin Nelson. You talk about up front on the offensive line. You talk about the lack of true playmakers as wide receivers. Alec Pierce might be that guy. Chris Ballard might not be around to see it. That's a wild thought. Maybe Rivers is the smartest guy in all this. He's that this guy saw this coming in January of 2021. No, saw all the turmoil. He, he knew something. That guy was going to be able to play for at least another year. But if you were able to play for another year, and the one thing missing from Philip Rivers' resume is a ring, why not make your services available after such a strong year with Indianapolis? That's fair. I maybe maybe the guy loves coaching high school football. And maybe but just as enough, you said, you know, uh, this organization has caught themselves. I'm going to use your term with the pants <laughs> down. Uh, multiple the Ellinger stuff yep. before Frank got fired. Uh, Chappie mentioned that yesterday. That has just hindered you now for a matter of months. And that one again, the Ellinger situation. You mentioned it just a second ago. Could have been an Ursay thing. Like that. That might could, not it, have been it, a Ballard decision. Was. To fully make the aggressive say, statement of Ryan's done, this is Ellinger's team now. So, but but Chappie also said, which is kind of it's a cover for the organization, but Ryan was going to be out a couple weeks anyway with the injury. I agree with Chap that they probably should have framed it better and said Ryan's hurt. We're sitting him for now until he's healthy again, and we'll see where we're at. They instead went bold and were like, ah, it's Ellinger's team. Well, that's why I'm getting back to my original point of maybe Jim's giving Ballard a pass. In some way. And I wouldn't blame him for that. Like, I'd blame him more for the structure of the team. The quarterbacks, you give a pass for, but how much is, where does that balance for Jim say? I still put blame on Chris for the quarterback position. You go back to that. With, with 20, the Ryan stuff? Even before this. You go back to the 2020 draft. They had the chance to trade up and go get a Justin Herbert or two attack of Iola. That's totally fair. And, I'm and not, instead, they trade that 13th pick and get DeForest Buckner. And next thing you know, it's been... Band-Aid quarterback after Band-Aid quarterback. And that's a knock on that's a knock on scouting, and that's a knock on Ballard for sure, Eddie, and that's a great point because the main thing that I've been calling for is find your guy, 
trade up if you have to, and go get him. And sure, it's easy to say that, oh, well, it's easy now to say that Herbert would be a great fit. That's fine, but Herbert was one of the top quarterbacks on the board that year, and the Chargers liked him enough to roll the dice and get him. By the way, Chargers were going to sit him, Brennan. This was our debate yesterday. They were going to sit him for Tyrod Taylor before his doctor injected him in the ribs or whatever whatever it was that he got hit. I forgot about that and, story. And then, and then Herbert <laughs> starts on a whim against the Chiefs and balls out because nobody... There's no scouting report for Herbert because you're prepared for Tyrod Taylor. So that kind of brings our conversations full circle. But yes, Eddie, that's totally fair. Look, I'm. if you're asking me what's going to happen, I think Chris Bauer is here another year. If you're asking me what I would do, to Eddie's point, he would have been gone at the midseason firing of Frank Reich. The guy's a winner. Is that is that blanketly or is that from him actually talking about it's him Ballard. talking about Chris Ballard? That's from the press. That's from yeah. the Saturday press. Okay, yeah. Was that before or after the sausage? <laughs> that's a good question. While while it was being made, somewhere somewhere along there. I don't know how to make it either, boys. But that's gonna be that's gonna be the goal of this show. While we're together, we're gonna try to make we're, we're gonna, sausage. We're, we're gonna be <laughs> sausage guys. That's Jay Cook. I'm VK. Eddie Garrison is here as well. Joel Erickson from the Indy Star to talk all things Colts at one. Tim Roy, the voice of the Golden State Warriors at one thirty. Paul Allen calls games for the Minnesota Vikings. He's on with us at two two thirty. It's Alan Carpick to break down the hiring at Ryan Walt with Ryan Walters at Purdue. We will continue the conversation next. What do you got? I got when we come back. Is this a tease? It is a tease. I got, when we come back, a potential quarterback that some odds makers might think the Colts have a favorable shot at this coming offseason. I mean, you're not going to want to go anywhere after that. We'll come back next, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Jimmy Cook and Brendan King coming to you on a Wednesday here on The Fan. BK, we've talked an awful lot about what the Colts are going to look like next season with still four games to play, but the fans will continue to chatter. The front office will continue to do their due diligence and the odds makers will continue to set lines. Currently, this from a report from Sports Illustrated from Jake Arthur at SI.com. He cites Odds Checker, which is a noted tracker of different betting markets that Aaron Rodgers may end up being the prize QB of the offseason. And currently... They have said as the favorite, the Indianapolis Colts at plus 350 to acquire Aaron Rodgers this offseason. Now, the article also notes from Odd Checker that the more likely scenario would probably be a contender if the Packers were to honor wishes from Aaron Rodgers because he just signed that massive deal this past offseason. They're not cutting him. So if they were to move on and go with Jordan Love, they'd have to trade him and they'd be looking for the high. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that because I don't know if he has a no-trade no clause or not. I need to – don't have that in front of me. But either way, BK, the news of the Colts being betting favorites to acquire, albeit the best of the bunch in terms of accolades, mm-hmm. another retread quarterback. 
And I hate saying that about Aaron Rodgers because he's the reigning MVP, for God's sakes. I mean, are we going to get to an offseason where both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady change teams? Uh, this is where we're headed, right? If they indeed move him, it would I, be this offseason, potentially. I, Jimmy, I, I just don't know how you can <laughs> go one more time. You know, it's like it's like the kid that's been on the merry-go-round six straight times and their mom's yeah. like, get off! And it's like, one more time with the quarterback shuffle here. I. I just don't think you can afford to do that to your organization, potentially a new coach and a new GM, where you enthrall the brand new GM and the brand new coach in the thing that has hampered this organization for five years straight. I don't think that's fair to potentially two new people coming in. Now, Rodgers may have a Super Bowl left in him. I don't know. But... And I and I'm not I'm not like a diehard Bears fan growing up, but not from that perspective. I'm not a Packers hater. I'm not a maybe Mark Dykton's listening to me right now and saying, "How could you say that? You're from the South Side of Chicago." I, I don't care. I, I don't get into that. I, I I don't get into that at all. I, I I just don't think you can do that to yourself, no matter who it is. When it comes to bringing in some old dude that might have the same problems as Ryan by the time he gets here, some old dude is tough. That's, that's he's old. But, I mean, he is, but it's a future Hall of Famer. Okay, and here, here's here's my here's my where I agree with you on this because the Colts are a more flawed team than the Packers are right now. There's been flashes of still Aaron Rodgers being the Aaron Rodgers of old this season. There's also been flashes where, yeah, he looks like a guy that's about to turn forty. Yeah, so. I do agree with you that if I'm a Colts fan, I'm like, I, I don't know that I really want to roll the dice. But I also think, and this, I understand that people don't like talking about it, but it's also when you're starting to put a bow on the Frank Reich era, which is you've already done that last month, right? But when you're looking at what's next for this organization, you have to, as you recap everything, look back to Andrew Luck's departure. And when that happened, this was still a team that was a true contender. They believed it. They had pieces at all the right spots. If this was 2019, then I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm game. swing big. Go for the trade. But right now, when this is clearly a team that if you bring air, if if we're entertaining this, and this is, again, a lot of hoops to go I mean, this is with, sports radio, isn't it? But we, enter, we entertain, we entertain everything that comes almost out everything. <laughs> I don't see it happening either. And if I'm a Colts fan, and that's crazy to think about that you would say, ah, Aaron Rodgers, I don't want any part of that, but... That's at a point where I don't think the Colts can make a, a home for him. It, this would never happen. If the Rams did it, okay, that's fine. I mean, Cooper Cup is back, let's assume, next season. A true contender that's ready to rock. Totally there for it. The Colts, yeah, I'm with you. I'd, I'd be more likely to go with one of the other favorites on this list, which are the Commanders, the Lions, the Jets, the Saints, Panthers, Buccaneers, Giants, and Falcons are listed there with... Anything from plus 350 to plus 1,600 odds. One team really just stuck out there. Yeah. The New York Jets. They are truly in the quarterback away conversation. Totally agree. Defense, really good. Mm -hmm. Offensive line, a lot better. Weapons, really good. Yep. They need a consistent running back. Michael Carter has been all right. Zonovan Knight has looked good. James Robinson's uh, who do you who do you want me to get to? Brees Hall, Brees who Hall, just tore his ACL. But, will he, but again, again, you never know. You never know. But he looked really, looked really good, good in that offense. So, but I agree with you. Running back Hall or not Hall, you can plug and play that. The teams have shown to be able to do that. The quarterback is what they need to figure out with all the Zach Wilson drama that's happened over the last six months. Right. If they get a consistent run game. And you can plug an Aaron Rodgers in there. You can plug a Tom Brady in there. You can plug a insert next guy in there. 
that's pretty good. Uh, another one that just came to mind is because we have the NFL Network on in the studio right now, and they're just showing clips of some teams. Uh, suddenly, the Arizona Cardinals might be without Kyler Murray until yeah. Christmas time next year. Yeah. Uh, is that a Tom Brady to the desert? Is that an Aaron Rodgers to the desert? Would they make a move? if they can't have Kyler Murray for weeks 1 through 13 next year? I would say no because of the money that you'd be spending between those two quarterbacks be near like $75 million. So you're cool starting Colt McCoy? I don't think it would be Colt McCoy. I think it'd be somebody else. The $75 million is accurate for Rodgers, but it all depends on what kind of deal Brady would want to sign as a free agent, correct? I mean, I, I just want to clarify it. I'm There's no way he's signing more well, than a one-year deal, right? Well, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it... it the the cap hit could be variable depending on what you're looking at. But again, uh, it's fascinating to me that the Colts are back in this situation. As you would expect, that's what happens with teams that are towards the bottom. I will say, though, surprising people speculate the reason the Colts are the favorites is because of what this regime has become, which is plug and play, retread quarterback. Musical chair. Right here. The rest of those teams, at least the favorites, you can make an argument, at least for the Lions and the Jets. Our one is a playoff team and one is a wagon. So there you go. He's Brendan King. I am Jimmy Cook. We're going to step away when we come back. We'll close out the hour with more on the Colts as they get closer to their matchup with the Vikings and keep that 3% chance of making the playoffs alive. Joel Erickson going to join us at the top of the hour. Share his thoughts and what he's heard as the Colts prepare for their matchup against Minnesota. That again, a Saturday contest. 10 a.m. coverage starts right here on the fan. Be sure to be a part of all of that action as they get you rolling. Countdown to kickoff with JMV. Eddie, across the board, I know you're heavily involved with that. Anything else that I should I should be throwing out there in regards to our Colts coverage outside of? Uh, Colts coverage on Saturday morning will start at 10, but yep. uh, from 10 to 11, it will be on 97.1 Hank FM while uh, Pat Boylan does his uh, weekly Pacers weekly show. Nice. You'll hear from Eddie Gill, maybe, uh, Mark Boyle, Chris Denary, uh, and Eddie White. So that's on Saturday. Fan coverage will start at 11 for Colts Vikings. Looking forward to that. No reason to stray away from the fan and our sister stations as we continue to get you set for Colts Vikings. Joel Erickson, top of the hour, back in a moment on 93.5-1075 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It's Brennan King to my right. I'm Jimmy Cook. Coming up, top of the hour, Joel Erickson. Going to take some time to join us, talk a little bit about where the Colts are at on a Wednesday as we get closer and closer towards Colts-Vikings. This from NFL and ESPN. Worst pass block win rate in the league this year. I apologize, I'm going to butcher this gentleman's name. Uh, Dov Kleeman, NFL underscore Dov Kleeman. I'm probably saying that wrong. That was good. Good good try. uh, On Twitter yesterday, apologize to you, sir. Worst pass block win rate in the league this season. BK, any any guess? Want to wager just a name out there, a team that might be worst in that category? Jimmy. I'll give you would one that guess. Be, would that, could that be the Indianapolis Colts? It is indeed. 
It is the Indianapolis Colts at 46 I mean, where's my, where's my ding sound, Eddie? I mean, jeez. Like, uh, Eddie's defense. I thought we, that was the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> uh, Cowboys are second worst, which is a little surprising. And the Jaguars are third worst. But, uh, yeah, that's that tells you all you need to know. In regards to where this offensive line has been, and look, I'm not going to necessarily carry water for Matt Ryan, but I've mentioned this a couple different times on the show that that is a large portion and just a sample size of why things that were supposed to be perfect for Matt Ryan weren't. And the the critique on that can be, well, it's not perfect for anybody. Injuries happen all the time, and a quarterback needs to be able to adjust. Well, that's fine, but it depends on what quarterback you have. They knew the type of quarterback they had, one that's not very mobile outside of the pocket, can maneuver a little bit within the pocket to keep a play alive for a second, but he's not rolling out extending plays the likes of, you know, um, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. That's just not who he is. So this, again, is just more evidence that I knew, but I didn't have the number in front of me that, Kind of do from the start, BK. I mean, I know they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one at one point and beat the Chiefs and everybody hung a banner and all that fun stuff, but, you know, uh, there were multiple levels where Matt Ryan was failed and why, again, I'm surprised they're keeping him out there other than the fact that Jim Irsay is clearly not worried about the money that would be guaranteed if he gets hurt over these next four games. I don't think money should ever be too much of a factor here. I mean, if you have the If you have a decent enough owner and a good financial backing, I think you're fine. Yeah. But... Uh, we have seen that money has not been the biggest obstacle when it comes to usually, not usually investing, but usually dumping. Particularly for quarterbacks. Particularly for quarterbacks. It's yep. a great point. And will that happen again this offseason? Again, who knows? Uh, we understand there's still four games to play. We also told you yesterday that the 3% chance is what it is. Minnesota likely to... Lay that to rest this weekend. Joel Erickson of the Indy Star is next. Joining myself, Jimmy Cook, and Brennan King on The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Colts do take on the first-place Minnesota Vikings on Saturday afternoon football, 1 p.m., Kirk Cousins. <laughs> By the way, against 1 p.m., Matt Ryan, which honestly may be pretty good. No? It's a fun Saturday tilt. I'll be there. Not there, there, but I'll be watching. I mean, it's it's. I, I mean, we were talking about if this is a primetime game. In a way, in a way, no. But in a way, it's the only game. It's the only game on television. It's a nationally televised game, right? But to me, like a Saturday afternoon, to me, like every bar in Wrigleyville, for example, will have this game. On. Uh, every bar in Los Angeles will have. Every bar Indeed. in New York, Miami, for sure. So to me, that's enough to kind of. Give primetime Kirk Cousins a shot. I understand you're trying to speak the primetime Kirk Cousins curse into existence, (laughs) but by definition, it's not primetime. Joel Erickson is going to join us on the hotline. Brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and (laughs) themowershop.com from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, we appreciate the time as the Colts get set to take on 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins. Uh, We were listening to some sound bites earlier 
from Jeff Saturday. My first question to you, Joel, is clearly Saturday wants the gig. My question is, do the players want him to get the gig, and does the front office want him to get get the gig? Do you have a feel for that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the players have been um, encouraged by the, like the way that he's handled it, probably better than I think anybody expected. You know, they keep talking about his energy and his leadership. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. After after going one and three, I mean, I think the the whole point was to try to get him back into it. I don't know if I don't know if right now, four games into it, you feel like he's he's earned that. I at least, at least from my standing, I, it's hard for me to know with 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 uh, what what you know the the only guy who matters is Ursay, and it's hard for me to know what he's thinking because so much of what he's done this year has kind of been um, kind of outside the box of conventional thinking. But so it's hard for me to know exactly what he would want to do. But I I just keep thinking, you know, that they made the change to sort of reset them and get them back on track, and instead they've essentially fallen out of the playoff race. Joel, we had an opportunity to talk to Mike Chappell yesterday, and he kind of mentioned that the overall vibe, the West 56, the overall vibe within the locker room is that, yes, we know everybody's still fighting for jobs both next year and beyond, so no one's going to you know lay down and quit, but the vibe is still trust and camaraderie behind Matt Ryan as the quarterback, trust and camaraderie behind Jeff Saturday in the, with his interim title. Do you have, you have similar sentiment that you've gathered from within that complex? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think – I never thought that this team was really a, a candidate for one of those splinter-type teams. They don't they're, – they're, they're built in a way – and the, the personalities in there are built in a way where they, they, they kind of rally around each other no matter what. Now, that's that's good for the, the way the locker room works It, it in terms of how this goes. It, it probably gets a little bit too much credit for whether or not a team's going to be good or not. We're probably seeing the results of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think that there's necessarily been – but we just don't have a lot of the stuff that you'd normally have coming out of the locker room of a of a team that's that's had a this disappointing a season in terms of you know backstabbing and infighting and stuff like that. And I think that that's that's probably just a a, a byproduct of of the way this team was was put together. Joel, talking about Saturday afternoon, this is a question I've asked all of our Colts guests this week. Want to get your thoughts on it? Is the the Colts defense has been good enough seemingly this year, but are they good enough? to stop what is a potent attack featuring Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Well, it's it's interesting cuz the 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 Vikings if you look at them, uh, they I mean obviously they're 10 and 3, they're going to win their division, they're they're going to host a playoff game and and they they've had a re- a pretty good season, but it's it's a team that is also uh more vulnerable than a 10 and 3 team should be. I, I think the stat I saw last week was that if you switch the outcome of every one-score game, the Vikings are like one in, we're like one in eleven going into last week, um, and and so that there's usually chances against this team. Now Dalvin Cook, this team's been fairly good against the run. I mean the Dallas game being an exception. I think when they get when teams get on the perimeter, which the Vikings can do with Cook, they've been worse when they're not running straight at Buckner and, and Stewart. Um, so I think that's that's the way to do it. Justin Jefferson, I feel like. It feels like the Vikings do a pretty good job of moving him around and getting him spots. I wonder if we see Gilmore on him. They've done that a little bit this season. They don't do it in every matchup, but it feels like that's that's the one that this is one that's crying out for it. Joel Erickson, nice enough to join us on the hotline. Brought to you by the Motor Shop in Fishers. You can follow Joel on Twitter at Joel A. Erickson, and of course, you can get. All your mower needs and snowblower needs at themotorshop.com and the Motor Shop in Fishers. Joel. When you observe where this team is at, and I know the team isn't necessarily saying this, I guess Jeff Saturday did, but the state of the season right now, four games left. Yes, they're still 
mathematically in the mix to make the playoffs. I, I That ship sailed for me weeks ago, but what else are they going to say? Right, They're not going to say they're going to lay down. Uh, in your mind, though, with Matt Ryan still under center and this being a Vikings defense that has struggled against the pass, but a Colts offense that has struggled to pass the ball, is it going to matter truly having Matt Ryan under center or is this simply a this really is the best option that they have at their disposal? I, I think I think that I think that this, this last four games is a chance for, for Ryan to kind of reset a little bit just because the defenses they're going against are not nearly as, as good or as or as keyed up. Or I should say the matchup is a little bit better. I mean, the Vikings have good pass rushers. They, they haven't been anything like the Cowboys were this season uh, in terms of getting after the quarterback. You know, they, they, don't, they don't bring as many pressures. They're not as good at bringing the pressure. The, the Vikings defense actually is, is pretty, pretty rough in most categories. And so I, I think there's some opportunity there. I, I think what you're going to see down the stretch, though, is they're going to continue to try to run the ball, and they might find uh, some some better sledding here because the, the Vikings' run defense has not been good over the last uh, six games or so. The and then the three teams after that are, are three of the worst run defenses in the league. So I think that's probably what you're going to see is they they try to pound Taylor as much as possible and, and reduce the impact the passing game has to play, but. It's it's not it's not the same types of defenses as like when they're going against Dallas or Philly or New England or some of these defenses that have been really good at sacking quarterbacks and intercepting them this season. Joel Erickson's with us from the Indianapolis Star. Joe, Joel, you mentioned getting Jonathan Taylor going. To you, has his inconsistent season been more because of injury? Has it been more because of just the offense has been stagnant, or does it come down to the offensive line more so? I think ultimately it, it rests on the offensive line. I think when he's been healthy, we've we've seen you can see some of the same burst and and you know violent running style that we saw last year. They're just not run blocking as well. They're they're not. They they changed over uh, three of the six most important parts of that of that unit. If you count the tight end, um, the, those those spots have have obviously been been struggles all season long. Not not just in the pass game, but in the running game. And he hasn't had as much room. Um, you know, I, I think one of the other things is, like, last year, I think where you can see that is last year they had to go run heavy because they didn't trust their passing game for just different reasons. But when they did that against stack boxes, they were still able to get something going because they, they had really good run blockers in almost every spot. Um, even, even like Eric Fisher, who really struggled as a pass blocker, was great as a run blocker last year. That hasn't been the case this season. He doesn't have nearly as much room. And so I think that's probably the biggest. That's probably the biggest thing that the injury in the middle part of the season uh, definitely played a role in what he was in his production. But over this last couple of games, it feels like you see a flash of him early. You see a flash of what happens when he can get in the open field early, and then they can't sustain it because teams just gear up on first down and and there's no room for him to run. Joel, the late season bye week has become an unfortunate accustomation for the Colts and the fan base the last couple of years and if you're in a better situation than the Colts are you might welcome a late season bye week to get you refreshed and get you ready for the push for the postseason ultimately again I know the Colts technically still have a postseason push on paper but what was the messaging and the biggest takeaways for what uh, just Saturday and company wanted to see out of the bye week and where their barometers are for that being a success ultimately when they take the field against Minnesota. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because a lot of people have been asked about the bye week and it, it's pretty much been, um, you know, kind of, kind of what you'd expect just in terms of it's good to get a chance to rest and recharge and, 
And I don't know that we've had a, a lot said about, you know, what things might have changed over the bye week. I mean, they might be trying to play that close to the vest. They might feel like they can't make big changes given some of the issues they have with personnel. But I don't feel like there's been a – even though it's been asked, like the, the questions about the bye week have been asked this week, I don't feel like it's been, it's been made a big deal of – maybe the way it would have been, like you said, if, if they're in the playoff race, I think that this late bye week you feel like, okay, we get a chance to get healthy and, and figure some stuff out for the playoff push. I, we haven't heard that. Like I said, maybe maybe there's something out there that we don't know about. They, they've they've made changes before without us knowing until game day, but they haven't said a whole lot about it so far this week. Joel, what would a win do for the chances of Saturday maybe getting a better shot to stick around, specifically this week? Um, I think it, I mean, it would obviously help because it would change the trajectory they've been going on. Um, it. I think ultimately, though, it's going to have to. Well, again, this again, this is this is sort of the conventional, like what I'm thinking of it. I think it has to be coupled with, uh, you know, maybe almost a three and one finish to get you to four and four. I feel like, I feel like if you made the change away from Reich when you when he was three five and one with this team, and two of those games being done by a quarterback who'd never started before, I feel like if you end up three and five, to me. To me, I don't feel like that's enough to, to earn you the job, but I, I don't know exactly what they feel like in the Colts building. Joel, based on what you've seen over your time covering the team and since Kenny Moore has been a part of this team, I know he was still out with an ankle injury yesterday, but but off the scooter. I know Nate Atkins had reported that uh, as practice unfolds, as you see it today and as you see it the next couple of days, is it simply a limited participant at this point for Kenny that would motivate you to think that he's going to be in action or is this still a week or two away in your mind before he's back on the field? I, I think the fact that we haven't, I think the fact that he wasn't out there after the bye, like he does have the boot off, but it's so hard the way they, the way they handle those. I think it was a cast too. I don't think it was a boot. Um, and the way they handle those, the fact that it's a cast is a little bit more intense because they'll, they'll put a boot on just about any injury um, to destabilize it. To, or to, I mean, not to destabilize, to stabilize the injury. They'll, they'll, they'll put a boot on just about anything. It's almost like an ankle brace now um but it, this was a cast and so i think that that probably means it, it's going to be a little bit longer for him joel i enjoyed your story on jelani woods uh in the last week in november i mean arguably he's been one of the bright spots of the offense when it comes to working with matt ryan why do you think woods and ryan have such a camaraderie so quickly is it just that ryan enjoys using his tight ends and woods has stepped up to the plate or something else I think it's I think it's pretty much that, and I think the other thing is that he adds something that that this offense hasn't had since Eric Ebron had his his career year in 2018, and they've needed for a long time, which is a, pl- a playmaking tight end who can get down the field. You know, I think they've seen good stuff from Kylan Granson too, but not not so much in the explosive play category. Whereas every time Woods is on the field, he's making plays down the field, he's ripping off chunk plays, and that's that's something that Ryan always did in Atlanta. It's been harder for them to do because of the the protection issues here, but I think it just kind of naturally fits the way he's played. Like he probably recognizes some of the guys he played with before in the way that Woods can attack a seam and get down the field. Well, Joe Mo Ali Cox is about twenty nine or so. So is Woods like? And I understand Alec Ogletree got hurt during training camp, so really he hasn't had a chance to prove himself at all since he went down so quickly at camp. I mean, I remember when that happened. Um, is Woods like the leader in the clubhouse right now, per se, when it comes to maybe you go to one of these tight ends on a regular basis next year? 
Well, I so I think a, a big a big question that we don't have an answer to is that we don't know what the offense is going to be next year. Uh, in, in the in the current offense, they have always used two tight ends for more than fifty percent of the snaps. So you basically have two starters at tight end, um, and then there's there's one that's usually a blocker. The the receiving tight end previously because they they'd had seasons where they ran it more, uh, hadn't gotten as many snaps. But that that's the other position in it. What happens with the new offense coming in? How that person, whatever whatever the next coordinator or next head coach wants to do. That's going to dictate what they want to do with the tight end group because, you know, Moelle Cox might, it might, might going forward, Moelle Cox might be the blocker and Jelani Woods might be the receiving tight end. What that looks like in terms of with Granson sprinkled in there, what that looks like is going to depend on. This is the hard part with, with future, looking for, to the future with all these guys is we don't know what the next system is going to be and we don't know how they're going to run that. So once we find that out, that'll make it easier for us to plant these guys in going forward. Joel Erickson, nice enough to join us of the Indy Star. You can follow Joel on Twitter, Colts Insider for IndyStar.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Joel A. Erickson. Joining us on the Motor Shop and Fishers Hotline for all your snowblowers, traditional lawnmowers, commercial, residential, you name it, they have it for you at the Motor Shop and Fishers and the MotorShop.com. Joel, as you look at this team and you see moves like having Bernard Ryman as your left tackle and giving him a full body of work these next already going on two weeks now, three weeks into the final four weeks of the season. What other young players on this roster or players that are up in the air for their status next year? Do you expect to monitor or where are you going to monitor on this team over these final four for pieces that could be part of the future for the Colts? Yeah, I think anybody on a rookie contract, you assume that they're playing for a chance to be, um, part of the initial plan because you're, you're not going to, you're probably not going to cut ties with somebody who's on a rookie contract. They're, 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 you know, cheap controllable assets and you don't, you don't cut ties with them as much. I think, you know, somebody like Paris Campbell, who's had a pretty good season um, is a guy who can maybe keep himself around or give himself better chances in, in the free agent market. If he has a good stretch, I mean, he's, I think he's at 50 catches right now. Uh, he's in, he's in a contract here, you know, so that's, that's somebody you don't know if he'll be back or not, if he's going to move on. Every catch he gets probably helps him when he gets into the market this offseason, uh, if he gets to the market or if the Colts try to re-sign him. Um, the, other thing, the other thing to watch is just some of these veterans, and I don't know if we're going to get good answers, but usually when a team resets and rebuilds, there's some veterans who end up being gone, and it depends on how big the rebuild is, whether or not it's, just, it, it, it's determined by play or whether or not it's just determined by contract and what they what assets they can get back. That's another question that we don't know until we get a chance to figure out exactly what the direction of the franchise is after this season. You know, if is is it going to be a situation where there's really good teams where where some they might want to move a really good player just in order to get draft assets. Joel, we'll get you out of here on this. We were talking about this before you joined in about the Colts musical chairs of quarterback seemingly has continued year in and year out over the last five six years well suddenly per at least some odds makers the Colts are the betting favorite to potentially land Aaron Rodgers if he decides to go elsewhere uh in your mind can this team afford another quarterback plug and play or they do they just need to commit to somebody young and let it roll I think I think they got to go young I think they got to go young, and I think part of it is the the infrastructure that would have uh, would have 
led you to be led a veteran quarterback to be interested in them have not been there this season. They they've seen how many times Matt Ryan's got hit. They've seen all that stuff. Um, they they've seen all that stuff. So they 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 know. And I think I think at this point you got to take a swing with the young guy. Joel Erickson from the Indianapolis Star with us before practice. Joel, we appreciate the time very much and enjoy covering things on Saturday. Okay, okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Joel. Joel Erickson from the Indianapolis Star on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. The Mower Shop. I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook. Eddie Garrison is here. I, I just don't see, Jimmy, how you can continue to run it back like that and expect people to take you seriously. With riders? With anybody. I mean... And, that you don't go and I understand if you bring in a lesser guy to help out the young guy next year I mean if you go another difference if you go another Ryan route where you let him roll and you don't have a backup plan with it with a young guy that can truly take over the reins well I totally agree with you right and again I want them to go young I agree with what Joel said I would like it to be in this year's draft I think a lot of Colts fans like it to be just to again you're not just going to make a pick to make the sake of making a pick but if your scout team believes and you believe that this is your option at quarterback this is your best chance for the future then go get them and I mean at some point look we can talk all we want about GMs maybe only have one maybe two big time swing moments in their careers unless they hit right if they miss usually those type of big time swings result in assets being given up or getting put in cap hell, you know, just there's areas for failure that ultimately lead to jobs being lost. Chris Ballard's never really taken that big swing, whether that's because he hasn't had the opportunity to, because he's being out voiced by, you don't think Wentz was a big swing, but that wasn't his call, right? That's my he, point. He still executed the trade though. He did. But again, we're, we weren't in those rooms. All we have is that it was Reich's guy. For all we know, it was a, hey, this is who Reich and Ursay and Bauer got together and whoever made that final call. I know that I understand that Bauer ultimately made the trade, but I can't analyze then, but you can analyze now. It was pretty clear from that press conference with Jeff Saturday that, yes, Jim Ursay said all the right things about Chris Bauer, but how much control over the day-to-day does he really have and how much of it is owner influence? I don't know. My point, though, is that if you ultimately have a coach and an owner sold on a candidate and you're the general manager and they take a guy that you don't want. Owner ultimately has final say. It's his team. I'm willing to say that he didn't have an opportunity to take a swing. Now, Eddie's point earlier, he had an opportunity when the likes of Justin Herbert was on the board, uh, what, 2018 or 19, whatever that, or 2019, 2020, whatever that draft was. So you had an opportunity there. I'm not giving him a pass. I'm just saying... At some point, you do have to take the chance because you're not going to have an opportunity to. At some point, if you keep punting it and getting retreads and retreads, if the results aren't there, ownership's not going to be happy. They're going to let you go. That's just how it works in the NFL. You either produce or you're let go. And one could make the case that Ballard's already closer to the latter than the former. Right. But if he does stay, Eddie, I'll get you in on this. If he does stay regardless of if it was his decision for Wentz, for Ryan, for whoever, I, I, I just hope that 
Chris Ballard has the wherewithal and do-withal to realize the league's going to think this is a joke if if you do the same thing that has hindered your franchise for five years and and you do it again. There's been more ignorant franchises over a longer period of time that have done the definition of insanity than the Colts have. So so they, they might already be perceived that way, but it's a philosophical choice, right? At some point, your ownership group or your general manager believes that you are still a veteran away at the quarterback position from being back to You're title You're just delusional. I, I, but that's how it works, man. People, right. like, like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, like, there's countless organizations across the NFL that get pigeonholed in this idea that a veteran's our guy. That's all we need. Let's get a veteran-proven quarterback. There's also teams that always draft quarterbacks and somehow can't get lucky. Like, look at, or bring in all kinds of quarterbacks. Look at the Browns. Like I'm not, I'm not trying well, to solely bring they, in they, but, organizationally something's but, wrong. But, but but exactly that's what starts to happen, and that's that's the perception around the league is once you have twenty or thirty years of quarterback failure after quarterback failure after new starter after new starter, that's what you become, and that's what your perception is around the NFL. Colts aren't quite there, but that's why I'm in your camp, BK. Is that I don't know that I'd bring in Rodgers right now because I don't think there are Rodgers away. A B. He has similar problems in terms of mobility. He's more mobile than Matt Ryan, no doubt about that, but he has similar problems if you can't protect him. And I think it's time to find the new face of the future. Now, at the very least, take a chance and then go get a veteran. That's fine. But get somebody in here that's not a fifth-round pick that we believe in. And I get it. Oh, well, the seventh-round, Tom Brady. Whatever. Get out of here with that. Stop it. Brock Purdy? New TB12? He, he, he did beat him. Mr. Irrelevant Could did be. beat him. Eddie, before we break, I want to get your thoughts on that. I want to say that for, I, I think that Ballard has been scared to draft quarterback because as you see across the entire league, if you take a quarterback and you miss, your job is over. And I and I just think Ballard's been scared to lose his job that he hasn't been willing to take a risk. Kevin Bowen has talked about this, that there was interest and Frank Reich to, to draft Jalen Hurts. Ballard was against drafting Jalen Hurts, and now look at Jalen Hurts. There was interest in the Colts of moving up to get Justin Fields. Instead, they go back and get, I think that might have been Carson Wentz. I can't remember. And then you go back to 2020. You have the opportunity to trade up to go get a guy in Justin Herbert who they liked. Instead, you settle for another retread quarterback. So it's been just a constant cycle and a constant whirlwind of another retread, another veteran coming in here, another Band-Aid here for Indianapolis. And I, I just think Ballard has been scared to take that chance because he's he knows that if he takes a chance and he does not hit on that chance, he knows he's out the door. And there might be one foot out by now. We don't know. We don't know with four weeks to go. That's Eddie Garrison. I'm Brendan King. Jimmy Cook to my left. Coming up next, the play-by-play voice of the Golden State Warriors. Tim Roy is going to join us here on The Fan to preview tonight's action at GameBridge. It's the Warriors and the Pacers somehow, some way, with the same exact record. Both teams are 14-14. and 14. We'll get into why the Warriors are at 500 with Tim after the timeout. Coming up next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Jimmy Cook and Brendan King here on The Fan. Eddie Garrison bringing us in with high-quality tunes all week long. Warriors and Pacers set to get underway later this evening. Warriors taking place in the second game of a back-to-back after falling to the Milwaukee Bucks, 128-111 to on the road last night. The radio voice of the Golden State Warriors, the great Tim Roy, nice enough to take some time with us today. Uh, Tim, first off, thank you so much for joining us. And secondly, uh, news a couple moments ago with it being announced that Clay Thompson out tonight. Uh, that's obviously, at least per the Warriors, injury management. It's been the case for him on back-to-backs throughout this season. I want to get your thoughts on that, how this team has looked without him during those instances, and then uh, their performance against the Bucks last night in Milwaukee. Well, let's start with last night. That was really a choppy game. Um, real difficult to uh, to get anything positive out of that. There were a lot of, you know, nobody was happy coming out of that game. The Warriors weren't really thrilled. I don't know if the Bucks were, I think the Bucks were happy with the win, but I think there's some things that they would like to clean up and, and the officials probably weren't happy because they got yelled at a lot. So it was just a, just a tough game all the way around. And, and it just also continues to highlight what has been a real, you know, head scratching trend for this team. And, and that is that their defense on the road has just been totally different than the defense um, at home. And so as a result, it, it, it makes it difficult for them to win. And, the third part out is we're finding out just how important Andrew Wiggins is to their team. Uh, they've you know dropped some games here recently, and, and Wiggins is a difference maker. He really is. When you add him to you know Clay, Draymond, and Steph, then you're formidable. And so getting Wiggins back, and, and tonight he's not going to play. Clay's not going to play tonight. You know when Clay doesn't play, you know you really have to get something out of your bench because Jordan Poole will start. He's got he's got a score, and then somebody off your bench has to come through, and that's been that's been an up and down uh, part of the equation this year with Golden State because they have basically a new bench, and they're trying to push younger players into roles that maybe you know emotionally they may not be ready for, but you know say a kid like Jonathan Kaminga only in the last say two or three weeks has really started to look like the pro they think he can be. So uh, as that progresses over the course of the season, I think you'll see the Warriors be a little bit better when facing a situation like they're facing tonight. Hey, Tim, this is Brendan. I know you mentioned the road defense being different than what you guys have seen in the Bay this year. 2-12 and 12 on the road. Can you pinpoint anything to why Golden State's defense just has not been the same in road play? You know, I, I think at the beginning of the year, I, I, my thought was, okay, they've got a new bench. Um, and a veteran team. You know, what do I mean by that? The new bench, these guys are trying to figure out how to play, how to play with Steph Curry, how to play with Draymond, how to play with Clay and Wiggins. And so, you know, that takes time. There's no, you know, very few teams automatically jump out with a brand new, you know, guy, a squad of guys coming off the bench. And the veteran part of it is that the core of this team knows that uh, a great run in November means nothing, that they have to gear it up in the second half of the season to get to where they want to go. 
And so I think psychologically as players get older, and especially championship-type players, I think it's very hard for them to get up over and over again for games in November uh, unless you have, like last year, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. You know, they were coming off of two years, one where they didn't make the playoffs and the worst record in the league, and the other where they lost in the play-in. And so there was motivation last year. Clay had motivation last year. So I think this year uh, this team's trying to – grind its way through to the season and and try to figure out how to get themselves going in the second half. Tim, you mentioned the not only just the absence of Clay Thompson tonight, but the absence of Andrew Wiggins and just in general as this team fights through back to backs and goes through the grind of the schedule. And I know you mentioned how Kaminga's kind of come on the last couple of games. How is not just his role, but in general the likes of Jordan Poole uh, Steph Curry carried the weight in these back-to-backs and also over the stretch without Wiggins uh, so far this year. Yeah, yeah. Steph is questionable with a, a right knee thing. He, he looked like he banged knees last night with Giannis, and then uh, Draymond's probable with a left ankle. Uh, you know, Steph has played some of the best basketball we've ever seen him play. He's in tremendous shape. Uh, I hope he plays tonight so you guys get a first look at him. I hope he's okay and, and plays because he is uh, finishing as well as he ever has at the rim. He has added more uh, of a repertoire of floaters now than ever before, so he can score just about any level as soon as you cross half court. And so he's playing really, really well. You know, Draymond is Draymond. He, uh, he basically is the, the, the heartbeat of the team, if you will, in, in the sense where – you know, he controls thing everything on the defensive side. You know, like him, not like him, uh, he is one of the smartest basketball players that's ever come through in this game. And he just understands how to play at the pro level and angles and, you know, personnel. And, you know, very rarely do you see Draymond, you know, we, we see this with guys, you know, they close out to a non-shooter who then skips the ball to a guy that can really shoot, right? It's like, why? What are we doing there? You know, so Draymond very rarely does that. You saw that last night. He was not good. And he saw on, on last weekend against Boston, he wasn't going to close out hard to Marcus Smart. He's not going to close out hard to Giannis because he knows that a three-point shot by those guys is maybe better than something else. So, um, so yeah, the, those guys carry the weight in this situation because they're also directing guys like Kaminga and Moody and people like that who are trying to, you know, figure out, you know, where they fit in the NBA. Tim, I know a guy that you used to see a lot more often that you only see twice a year now is Tyrese Halliburton with your former home, the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, Halliburton as a young player in this league and you getting to see him much more frequently when he was in the Western Conference. Just your thoughts on him and his game and how he has developed here in Indiana now since the trade from Sacramento. Well, it's funny, you know, when the Kings drafted him, you know, everybody was raving about him. And like most NBA announcers, you know, I don't get a lot of time to spend watching college. But when after the draft, usually what I do is, and, you know, much to the chagrin of my wife, I go back and look <laughs> at the film of guys and, and, you know, in college and their workouts and see comedy if they went to the combine, that kind of thing. And he just looked like he had instincts. He has basketball instincts. You know, and then you, then you add the fact that he is – you know, six foot seven, and now playing guard, he can see over the top of other guys. 
I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, and he's just got that size to him that he can pass over the top. He's got instincts. He knows how to play. And I, I think that, you know, in this sense, that might be a trade when we look back at it in about, you know, five, ten years, it worked out for both teams. And it just makes a better fit. And I think with, with you know, the Pacers, where they are and with the young talent that they have, that, that I think Halliburton's a great piece to have and to build around because he makes guys around him better. Tim Roy, nice enough to join us, voice of the Golden State Warriors. Tim, selfishly, Brent and I are both play-by-play guys. We admire your work. We admire the broadcasting work across all sports. But a selfish question on this regard, you've been able to call the Warriors championship runs uh, throughout this entire dynasty. Where does last year's rank for you in terms of those championship runs that Steph and company have been on? Well, it it was a great run. Uh, Unfortunately for me, you know, I caught COVID after game four of the finals Mm. and was really sick and did not go to Boston for game six. And uh, so I was not there, which is fine because uh, our TV guy, Bob Fitzgerald, got a chance to call a championship thing, which the TV guys never get to do. Right. Because because they stopped. So so I was happy for him for that. But but I put that one, you know, right toward the top to me. The first one was special because it had been 40 years for the, for the Warrior fan base, you know, and, and, you know, I know that we're in this, uh, I'm standing in a hotbed of, of, of basketball in the state of Indiana. If you go to the West coast, I think if you ask people, you know, the M- best NBA fan base might be the Warriors because we were awful. I mean, we were God awful for like, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years where, you know, when, <laughs> from 95 through uh, 2005 when I was with, when I got to the Warriors after six years with the Kings, uh, I did not have a team that was above 500. Uh, the first team I had that was above 500 was 06, 07. They went 42 and 40. And then we did not get another team above 500 till 2012, 2013. So, but our fans never stopped. You know, they were passionate. They got mad when the Warriors would do dumb things. So they, they, they know the NBA game. They know basketball. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to work there. So the first one to me was, was special. This last one's got to be right there. You know, the, uh, it's just, uh, I just, you know, I, I kind of wrap my knuckles on the table and say, how the, how the heck do I have four rings? And there are guys around the league, great announcers like the one you have here in Indiana and Mark Boyle, you know, who do not have one. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm very lucky and blessed uh, to have the job that I have. A lot of great voices, Tim, in the NBA. And uh, four rings, that's awesome, man. And I'm sure those are fully on display for you because I would certainly do the same thing. I want to ask you, Tim, about a guy that we're not going to see in Indianapolis tonight but seems to be cooking down at the G League after what was a tough start to the year. That's James Wiseman. From what I read just put up 24 and 16 against Oklahoma City's G League team. Can you sense that he may be on his way back soon? Because seemingly things are going pretty well in the G League. Yeah, they're going pretty well, and they're getting him. The most important thing for him is getting reps. You know, I think when when he got drafted, I think everybody you know looking uh, at him kind of looked at him and, and underestimated how little basketball he actually had played. You know, what you got a guy that played three games in college. And he had played basically high school and AAU. So, uh, and then he gets injured, right? He gets injured his first two years. This year, 
was the first time he played summer league. This year was the first time he had a training camp. So to me, I think he's still in his rookie season. And um, so he's getting the reps that he needs right now to figure out. And, and the, the cool thing they're doing with him down there is they're not just, you know, throwing the ball up. What they're trying to do is get him in situations to where this is how you're going to play when you go up and play for Golden State. You're going to be working with Steph Curry. You're going to set a screen for him here. You're going to, you know, dive the bat. All these things so that he gets into a comfort zone that when he comes back, he can help this team. And he can be a difference maker. He is a large human. He can change shots. He can change minds. He can block shots. He can score um, I think the future is bright for him, but his, his confidence has to come back a little bit. And, you know, like any big guy, it's going to take a couple of years before you really understand, you know, what kind of a player you have. Tim, really appreciate you making time for us, especially on a game day. Uh, all the best to you. Have a great call and looking forward to catching it tonight. Uh, guys, I enjoyed the conversation. Have a great rest of the show. Thanks, Tim. That's Tim Roy, play-by-play voice of the Golden State Warriors. Nice enough to take a few minutes with us on the Motor Shop in Fishers hotline. Go to the Motor Shop in Fishers, themotorshop.com for all your residential commercial mowers, snowblowers, you name it. They have you covered over at the Motor Shop in Fishers and themotorshop.com. We're going to take a quick break. Top of the hour, Paul Allen, play-by-play voice of the Vikings Radio Network, going to spend some time with us at bottom of next hour. Allen Carpet, Golden Black, going to join us. Get his thoughts on the Coach Walters era beginning for Purdue football as Ryan Walters has obviously already been involved with Purdue in general over the social media ways. And then, of course, official press conference action getting going today. We'll get Allen's report from takeaways from that press conference as well. Jimmy Cook, Brendan King on the fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Eddie, is this your way of starting the Nick Saban to Indy rumors? No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. It's worth a shot. I appreciate the tea leaf reading. <laughs> I'm Reddy King with Jimmy Cook and Eddie Garrison. I'll tell you what, boys. Sweet Home Chicago last night. There was some history made. Oh. Alexander Ovechkin becoming the third NHLer ever to score 800 goals. He had a hat trick last night against the Blackhawks to do so on national television. He was three goals away coming into last night from 800. He got it done with a hattie. That's awesome. Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe, and Alex Ovechkin. Tip of the cap. Now, I don't know if you can bet hat tricks to happen, but sure, I should have been I should have been smarter that to give a little Alex Ovechkin to score three goals last night. I mean, that had to be. I, I have a. You can bet to score three touchdowns. You can bet to score more than two or three goals in the World Cup. I'd I'd think if we were to go look at the sportsbooks apps of your choosing, that they would have hat tricks in there somewhere. For prop bets. You uh you putting out anything for your France boys? Yeah, I did. Uh I went with uh Kylian Mbappe as an anytime goal scorer for France. Uh I, I mean did, you're wearing the jersey. I am wearing the jersey. I told you I was gonna do that today. Uh shout out to my uh, in law Adrian, who is a French national and a big France fan. So I hope that uh they get it done for him today against Morocco. Also took them to win. Uh a reminder as we warned you last week, 
and there's not great juice on France to advance. I bet them to win in regular time. If you're betting soccer, if you bet to win and not to advance, if it goes to extra time or penalties, you're out of luck. Your bet's going to lose. So just always a friendly warning there. But no, we got an opportunity to watch Argentina take care of Croatia yesterday and now another fun matchup in studio. I, I stressed it then, BK. It's the same now. I love sports, live sports with stakes going on during the show. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, our first couple March Madness games. I'll never Virginia Tech, Florida. <laughs> Down to the uh, wire. That, that was a nutty that was a the nutty command game. center. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, Eddie, we are this is like uh NFL red zone, the witching hour. You need to have your Ole Ole ready. I will, but unfortunately, we have back-to-back guests, so I don't want to end. Do it anyway. <laughs> Could you imagine Paul Allen's in the middle of his head? Ole, 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 ole. <laughs> you got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, we interrupt you. There was just a there's just a goal in the, in the studio. Uh, that is who will be joining us next. Paul Allen, the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Vikings. We will get the opponent perspective from the guy that went viral, which is something to say now on the TikTok. Nowadays, I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook and Eddie Garrison. Back next with the voice of the Vikings on the fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Jimmy Cook and Brendan King here on the fan. Eddie announced dramatically in the break, Eddie Garrison, our producer extraordinaire, there's only one song that you could possibly play when bringing in a Minnesota guest. I told him, and I would agree with that, but since I didn't know what he was going to say, there's only one artist you could play, and Eddie is right on both counts. It's Prince, and it's some Purple Rain. Well, I said this was a monstrous missed opportunity on playing Lizzo. (laughs) On these stations, probably for the first time ever. Yeah, have you ever I, I, played Lizzo? On, no, on I've never station? played it for Dan. Do you think Mark Dykton has ever played Lizzo? Maybe. Do you think John would ever have Lizzo on his? What are the odds John Spotify even knows playlist? who Lizzo is? I'm going to say highly unlikely, but I will say maybe Lenny and Blake have introduced him to Lizzo. Could be. I, I will say. The first time I ever was on the intern side for John, he played he played some Martin Garrix. I was like, that was unexpected. Sure. Every now and again, so you get, he, he impressed you get a surprise. Me. For he sure. impressed me. John's back today, by the way. He is. JMV is back after Charlie Clifford was... Cliff killed it. Doing a great job. Killed last it. Last two days for the ride. Coming up here in just a few moments, Paul Allen going to join us of the Vikings Radio Network. Colts Vikings this week. Vikings attempting to continue their finalization of what's going to be a Super Bowl contender, you would hope if you're a Vikings fan, but plenty to clean up and fix BK after a disappointing matchup against Detroit that saw them miss out on an opportunity to clinch the NFC North. Against the wagon <laughs> Detroit Lions. I mean, it's hard to argue with Detroit, with where they're at. They're, they're, no, I, I'll I be honest, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I didn't expect them to be still alive in the in the playoff hunt. So I I tipped the cap to Man Campbell and company over there in Detroit because that's a, it's got to have a game against the top tier team. And I guess if you're psychotic, it's a got to have a game for the Colts as well. 
on Saturday. 3%? 3%. Living large. It's, it's like, uh, you ever watch the game show, Let's Make a Deal? Yes. You can have this 3% playoff chance now, or you can have what's in box number two. <laughs> Is it a quarterback? <laughs> Please? Please. <laughs> Dear God. It, it's actually... Uh, it's actually Colt McCoy. You're, you're like, man. And you go home. With, you go home. You go home with Colt McCoy. Or you could drop everything. You could have beyond what's curtain number one. Yeah, that's. Yeah. While you're talking about the wagon, did you see what Dan Campbell sent on Pat McAfee yesterday? He went on Pat's show. Yes, he did. And he, Pat asked him about the Panay Sewell third down play. Oh, uh, yeah. And Dan Campbell's like, you know, I just got caught up watching the wave in the crowd and the OC, I forget the guy's name. The OC was like, hey, is this okay with you, coach? And he goes, yep. He didn't know what's going on. Next thing you know, he sees Panay running out for a pass. He goes, what the blank is going on here? Uh, And then he goes, the one thing when we practiced it all week, I reiterated to Panay is that if it is in a crucial situation, stay in bounds. Jim Bob Cooter's not the... Offense coordinator there anymore, right? No, but I know their OC is supposedly supposed to get some interviews this uh, offseason to become a head coach because of what he's done with that Lions offense. Wes Phillips is the offense coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Wes Phillips. For the Lions? Uh, ben Johnson. Imagine. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you went. Ah, my bad. Lions, Ben Johnson. There you go, Eddie. Go imagine ahead. being nearly 400 pounds and somebody says, all right, you're about to get our first down. <laughs> and look at as athletic and nimble as he did. Yeah, hey, I mean, they're eating well over in Eugene, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. What are they feeding him in Eugene, Oregon? Anytime you see a big fella get an opportunity, you you got to celebrate. Oh, you got to. I mean, I don't know. It, it, not, not just from the standpoint of they're not involved in those type of situations, if ever. One nil France in the fourth minute, by the way, of the semifinal Eddie? of the we FIFA World ch- Cup. Eddie! Eddie's not ready. Eddie! It's all right. Where is it? Eddie! <laughs> Fall out, I'm going to join us in just a moment. As you would expect, a busy week for the Vikings. Busy week anytime you're around the NFL as we continue our Vikings Colts preview. Tough loss for the Vikings, we mentioned 34 to 23 against the Lions. And now they are matched up with the Colts team, as we mentioned, is in some aspects uh, on the mat, playoffs, chances on life support. And. Yeah, if it's you're like in the, the boat, it's a meme of a monkey that yes. has like the life support breathing tools. Exactly, and if you are a Colts fan that is hopeful for a good draft pick, you're hoping the Vikings are finally going to take them out of their misery. Paul Allen, the voice of the Minnesota Vikings, nice enough, take some time with us here on the fan. Paul, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? Yeah, what's going on? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you. I uh, want to jump right in in regards to the Lions' loss to Detroit, 34-23. Over the weekend, the biggest criticism against the Vikings at times uh, over this stretch, and it hasn't been a ton, but if you're hunting for them, it's been the defense and the, the passing aspect of that. Colts fans, it's all they can cling to right now, Paul, is that Matt Ryan's going to rejuvenate himself one more time and finally put together a good passing day. Uh, what did you learn from the Vikings as they continue to show they're a contender, but had a tough matchup against a divisional foe this past weekend? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you laid that out pretty fairly be, because the the overarching 
uh, the correct overarching take with this team is that it's 10-3 and three and it's going to win the division. But when, when you hone in on the details and, and when you, you know, try to get squared away with the nuts and bolts of what it's going to take to get to a Super Bowl, well, over the last five games, for the first time in franchise history, the team has allowed at least 400 yards defensively. So, you know, that's a very fair part of the narrative. Now, you know, if you look at some of these teams that we've been playing over the last month and change, including the Lions, uh, where their offense has has gotten really good. I mean, Jared Goff is a very good quarterback, not great, but very good. And and they uh, they have really good skill players. So, you know, they hung 30 and change on us. We've also played Buffalo, and we've had Dallas in there, and, and so on. Uh, but nevertheless, the the pass rush or lack thereof for the Vikings is, is something that is going to need to become bolstered as they move forward in 2022. And, you know, against the Lions, man, they, they had allowed 19 sacks the entire season, third, third best in the NFL, and we, we didn't get to uh, go off one time. But, but that doesn't mean that's going to be the case every single game. So that, uh, that is a detail uh, on which the team needs to improve uh, if it wants to get to the Super Bowl. Hey, Paul, it's Brendan. And when you look at that Lions game, I mean, divisional games, no matter where you play, usually they're highly contested. Is it not so much of a bad thing that may have happened when it did, just so maybe Kevin O'Connell's club can really lock in the next four weeks when you look at the opponents that you're going to have? You know, I'm I'm on the other side of that, and, and I understand what you're saying. But, I mean, it's, you know, the way we beat Green Bay game one and, and then on Monday Night Football we got killed by Philadelphia, and, and you know, I kind of heard the same thing. And, and then the team rattled off a bunch of wins, and then Dallas put a butt whooping on the Vikings about as badly as I've seen in my time doing this job. You know, well, we didn't hear the same thing after that game. Uh, because the record was still really good. Dallas has proven to be really good. And, um, you know, there were some concerns that came out of that. Likewise, off the Lions game, where it's, you know, the the, the losses have been sprinkled in throughout the season, and and they haven't lost two in a row the entire season. But, you know, with a new regime and running a 3-4 defense as a base here for the first time in 40 years, and, you know, just working through the coverage Jefferson gets, uh, it's a pass-first offense, a head coach calling plays as a head coach for the first time in his life. You know, th- this is a redo, but it's a redo with talent. So, you know, I, the way I looked at it and the way I would share with those who listen to me is I'm not really going to focus on the details a ton the first half of the season. But second half of the season, you know, as you guys mentioned, it's fair to get into these details. But it's, you know, when it comes to something bad happening and being eye-opening for a positive, you know, I just I don't feel that serendipity off that game against the Lions. Paul, Brennan and I were having a debate to start the show regarding how contenders within the National Football League – Brendan was mentioning that you want to see them take care of business any given Sunday, particularly in a division matchup. My argument was that it's not necessarily about if a loss pops up on the schedule because they're going to happen, but it's how you respond the next week, particularly against a Colts matchup that on paper, the Vikings should take care of business there. What do you hope to learn the most and what do you observe the most in a matchup against Indianapolis uh, with the Vikings? You're trying to continue to lock things up and continue to show not only can they bounce back, but that's not a full body of work of what they are with the performance against Detroit on the defensive end. 
Yeah, I think that's a very fair fair way to look at it. You know, because like when when the team lost to Philadelphia on Monday Night Football, same narrative in play into Week Three. Okay, how do you respond? Well, the Lions were at U.S. Bank Stadium, and we were down ten points middle of the fourth quarter, and and then came charging at them and beat them right at the wire. All right, now you know, like if you guys were to take your radio show to Shelbyville and and do it at Indiana Grand or Horseshoe. Well, then you would understand this analogy better than where you're doing it now. You know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've called horse races for 30 years. So it doesn't matter how you get to the winner's circle. Right. As long as you get there, we're all getting our pictures taken and everybody's cashing bets. And then you analyze the race and figure out what did the beast do well and, and what are some things on which it needs to improve. Now, into this Colts game, the, the common thread is the same. Well, whether you beat the Lions or you lose to the Lions, is is defensive lineman Dalvin Tomlinson who's very important to this equation. Well, he he missed he missed a month and change of football, and while he was out, there was one point we were giving up 157 a game uh, against the run, and and then they held the Patriots to 45, so that went down to 127. But that was a little bit of a mirage because the run defense was problematic. So Dalvin comes back and he's played a couple now. But the run defense has gotten better, but not exponentially better. So you look at what's cut, what what uh, uh, Jeff Saturday's bringing into U.S. Bank Stadium Saturday. Well, I mean, if they run Jonathan Taylor twenty consecutive times, I'm not going to be surprised. I would do the same thing until the team that has, has struggled against the run, you know, is able to show you it consistently with the crowd on its side can stop the run. You know, we we've had the crowd on our side before against the run. But like Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, I mean, they, they, they went for one and high change combined with like four touchdowns. And, and then now here comes this Colts team that lost to the Eagles by one and just gave up 33 in the fourth quarter. You know, but then they get the bye. So, so a late season bye like that sucks, especially when you have a losing record because, you know, you, you, you just want to get a break and like recalibrate and self-scout and do all that kind of stuff. Where it's, well, it's a very late bye, and it's a bye from 4-8-1. Uh, but but there's, a new, there's a new voice. So that means what you're going to get is a different pop than you generally would get from a 4-8-1. and one. And I believe that's going to be guided by the running game. And, and Matt Ryan, where some stuff I've watched with him, and I know we got all those picks and we got all those fumbles and, and number one in the NFL and gives and stuff like that, but he still turns his back on the defense occasionally and offers up some of the best play action that you're going to see. Yeah, now, they, they, they don't go under center as much as he did with Atlanta, so maybe that's going to be a little bit neutralized. But the details approaching the finish line of the season for the Vikings is you, you better be squared away against Jonathan Taylor or he's going to go for 150, and then you're going to put eight in the box, and the quarterback with all the picks, is going to, he's going to neutralize and maximize his arm the best way to get whatever speedy receiver he has in space because yards after catch have been a problem for this defense because they're lacking a pass rush at this stage of the season. So I'm not trying to make the 2022 Vikings sound like smoke and mirrors. This is a team that can get to the Super Bowl. But to get to the Super Bowl, this is a wonderful test Saturday um, because of the running component that you need to stop. And if you don't stop it, you're going to get beat. 
The voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, with us on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. For all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Paul, just to get a scout on your end of things, you mentioned in a previous answer, Kevin O'Connell, in his first year of calling plays as a head coach, his quarterback, Kirk Cousins, has been around a while, has done it a long time. In your mind, what has O'Connell done most to give Cousins this opportunity to lead the ship and give the Vikings a chance to be one of the best teams in the league? Now, now, Kirk, uh, for fantasy football players, uh, has been a statistical anomaly uh, because his numbers, for the most part of this season, have not been as big as they have been like in 2019 or even last year uh, uh, during his run with the Vikings. However, he's making the best passes he's ever made in his career. I mean, quite honestly, you know, if somebody were to say the team let Kirk down at Detroit, I wouldn't argue with them uh, because he made about six of the best throws that I've seen all season. Uh, his arm talent is wonderful, um, you know, but, but just getting things around him with the defense, special teams, and the whole thing to work, that, that's what has to start this Saturday. Now, you know, from O'Connell and Cousins' standpoint, they were together in Washington when, when, Kirk, when um, Kevin was the quarterback's coach, but, but that was a completely different situation. Now as the head coach, I think one of the, the uh, biggest and best things Kevin has done is he has just assured Kirk, be yourself. Everybody telling you that you don't improvise enough, you don't run enough, you don't move left and right the way people tell you you should. Forget all that and just be who you are, man. You're, you're a pocket passer who's incredibly smart with a big-time arm and all the throws from, like, left and right hash to the opposite sideline. He can make all those, and he is. So I think Kevin and, and the staff have empowered Kirk to eliminate whatever noise he hears inside or outside about who he should be, and let's just maximize who you are because it's pretty good. Paul, Colts fans are clamoring for, as we kind of fast forward four weeks through the season, for their next face, the franchise, their next quarterback. For the Vikings, post-Brett Favre, just putting it in a a 12-year sample size, they had tried a little bit of everything to try to answer that quarterback question. Uh, Trades, draft before finally acquiring uh, Kirk Cousins via trade, and he's been uh, you know, a, a stable answer, uh, particularly this season, for the Vikings at QB. Uh, for Colts fans that are, that are struggling with trying to get back to where they were and, and want answers from the front office, uh, often the grass isn't always greener, but it's also a tough journey to finally find that answer on these front offices, is it not? Well, yeah, it is, but I mean, it's my belief is we have the quarterback we need to win the Super Bowl, right? And you know, from a from a it, even guys like Kirk are hard to find. You know, that's why they dabbled with 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 Carson Wentz and um, and now with uh, with Matt Ryan and so on. I understand what's happening there, and and you know, sadly, Matt's at the end of his career, and, and they probably do need another answer. But but I feel that that we have what we need to win at the highest level. From a Colts from a Colts fan standpoint, obviously the A topic is the quarterback. Because if you don't have the right quarterback, then you ain't gonna win the Super Bowl. But when Matt Stafford was playing in Detroit, there were a lot of people who didn't think he was the right quarterback for any team and he won a Super Bowl. So there's just so much more that goes into truly the ultimate team game with, with all these these dots having to uh, connect. 
for, for just a play to work, you know, as so, so therefore getting the quarterback, no doubt. I understand that. Um, and, and I'm not going to try to pretend like, you know, I know everything about Colts football, but I just feel that there is a speed element at the wide receiver spot that they need. You know, that, that uh, Michael Pittman, I mean, he's part of that 2020 wide receiver draft, the greatest wide receiver draft in the history of the NFL, but truly how fast is he? And, and likewise for Paris Campbell and some of these other guys. Uh, the Cincinnati kid I like, but he's very young. So, you know, I just feel that there's a speed component that is needed with the Indianapolis offense, and then I would just start there. And, you know, from a record standpoint, well, I mean, if there are one or two quarterbacks you covet in this upcoming draft, 4-8-1, and one, that's a weird spot. I mean, even if you lose the rest of your games and you finish whatever with four wins, you know, is that going to be in a spot where you can get the right quarterback? If it's not, then I would bolster the situation with just the best receiver you possibly can find and then, and then work around it with, with that nice running game and, and whatever incarnation of the offensive line they head into next year with. You know, and then you get Shaq Leonard and DeForest Buckner, and, and Kenny Moore is one of my favorite nickels in the NFL whenever he plays. So, I mean, there are some very good things there, but clearly the situation fell off so that it cost a coach a job during the course of the season, whether the decision was right or wrong, it, it happened. You know, so that's just kind of my look from 10,000 feet at, at exactly what you're talking about. Hey, Paul, this is the last one for me. I want to talk a little broadcasting shop because uh, we both do play-by-play, Jimmy and I. I'm more so on the baseball side um, with the Cubs organization. But uh, for you, coming up as an NFL play-by-play guy, who were some of the guys that took care of you and the guys that you aspired to be and looked up to? Oh, that's a cool question, man. I appreciate it. I uh, can't say I've ever been asked that. Well, um, I've called Vikings football for 21 years. Uh, it's my first play-by-play job at any level. I didn't go to college, and I auditioned for the job, and I won. So, you know, there are two sides of it, being being a Christian and dedicated to the Bible and, and sharing the gospel whenever I get the opportunity. I look at it one way. But for the purpose of an interview like this, um, I think about the best answer is that I I didn't feel I had all the answers early in my career. So like Kevin Harlan, um, he took a liking to my calls like two or three years into my career. And I never had met Kevin, you know, but he came up to me on a Monday night football game at Soldier Field and introduced himself to me. And, you know, he told me, keep doing exactly what you're doing, but, but tighten a few things up here uh, simply because I didn't travel around the country listening to other people's styles. And in essence, you know, subconsciously stealing people's styles. So for better or for worse, I am me, you know, I'm, I'm just naturally emotional. I describe things a little differently than, than some other people. I'm racetrack raised. So therefore building a crescendo has always been something that I've done into a microphone. So all of that, all of that came together to help me with this career. But when it comes to, um, you know, growing up and listening to certain people, I mean, I've lived all over the country uh, due to divorce. So fortunately I landed in Los Angeles uh, from ages 13 to about, I'd say 26. So I, you know, I laid in bed listening to Chick Hearn call LA Lakers basketball. And I laid in bed listening to Vin Scully call the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. Or Bob Miller uh, call the Kings. You know, so naturally, there is just with the way Chick Hearn called Lakers games, God rest his soul, you know, that that's 
kind of what I wanted to be and kind of what I looked to look to emulate without without trying to pilfer a style. And um, then after that, you know, you just you you just uh, the best way to put it is to recognize I don't have all the answers. There's an analyst and a sideline analyst, and they get the microphone too. So therefore, let's put them in positions to shine. And through all of that, me being the quarterback of all of that, we will all win collectively. And if we win collectively, then I slash we have succeeded. Paul, in that same vein, last question on my end. Uh, I was watching the Vikings-Bills game. I have cards on the table, Justin Jefferson on my fantasy team. Uh, happy to see the Vikings pull that one out. And then I'm scrolling on TikTok when I get home. And the, uh, the Vikings social media team uh, has you in the booth and getting the raw emotion of all that. Uh, what was your reaction? I assume you were informed that that clip kind of went viral uh, when you saw that uh, at some point, either post-game or later in the week. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a long-winded answer, and, and I'm not going to you know kill the segment or your show with that long-winded answer. But once again, there are two ways that I look at it. Uh, the, there's one way from a biblical standpoint where – you know, I'm 28 years into careers where I've done a radio show called Vikings football and called horse races, and I'm not formally trained for any of them. So for whatever the reason, God has my star, my star ascending and my following growing, you know, like 30 years into these careers, which, which at age 56 just doesn't happen. Now, the other way to look at it is to be flattered and, and recognize that, that the secular shine is an honor for, for many, many reasons. Um, however, it, it also is fraudulent to a certain extent where, you know, a year and change ago, I blew a game-winning call at Arizona on a kick by Greg Joseph. The first time in my career, I've blown a big call. And, you know, some of these same entities like Barstool w- would have my face with a clown nose on it, absolutely destroying me. Now, a year and change later, I'm God's gift to broadcasting. So who am I? Well, I know who I am. The question is, who are you? Well, you're, you're an image-based company or image-based companies looking for clicks and looking for people to follow you and, and, and subsequently help you make money. And I understand that and I respect that, but that's kind of how I put it in perspective is stay grounded uh, where you're never as bad as the negatives say you are and you're never as good as, as LeBron James tweeting you and writing my name and saying I'm a national treasure. So it was a whirlwind. I never had experienced anything like that. But at the end of the equation, when, when it comes to doing from a Christian standpoint what I look to do every day, I just think it's beautiful that God has my star ascending and my following growing uh, at this stage of my career. Well, we're very happy for you, Paul. We look forward to uh, listening and following along as the Vikings continue their season. And best of luck uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Uh, you guys have a good day. Thanks, Paul. It's Paul Allen, radio voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Join us on the Motor Shop and Fishers hotline. Go to the Motor Shop in Fishers, the motorshop.com for all your snowblower, residential, commercial mowers, whatever you need. All seasons of the year, the Motor Shop and Fishers and the motorshop.com has you covered. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. Alan Karpik of Golden Black joins us. Get reactions and thoughts from Purdue. They finally have their next head coach in Ryan Walters. Jimmy Cook and Brendan King here on The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. 
You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Ryan Walters is the new head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. The head man coming in to lead the football squad after Jeff Brom went to Louisville from goldenblack.com. Alan Karpik joins us on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Alan, it's Brendan. Great to have you. Ryan Walters introduced this afternoon. What are your first impressions? Well, Brendan, I, I, I think very favorably impressed. He's a hard guy not to be impressed with. Now, he's not... Not a high volume, uh, uh, kind of soft voice, but uh, very, very uh, put together, uh, very, uh, very direct in what he had to say, but also just kind of a, uh, he kind of gets the whole big picture. He First thing he said in the press conference today is, wow, this is real. So he knows that he's gone from at age 36, he's the youngest coach in the Big Ten, fourth youngest coach, I think, in in, in college football. He knows that uh, it's a big deal, but uh, he gave every appearance today of being ready to, to be able to do it. Alan, thanks again for making time for us, not just from the press conference, but just for your perspective. I know that he was asked, Coach Walters was, about recruiting the state of Indiana, and he said that he wanted to try to put a fence up around the state Indiana is going to be a top priority. Obviously, everybody wants to hear that, but the looming shadow of uh, USC, UCLA, uh, let alone from the other schools that are already in the Big Ten, what's the best path for him to go about doing that and successfully defend Purdue as still a, a go-to location, particularly within this state? Well, I, I think that he, and you're right. Everybody would say that, and, and I think he did say that. You know, you obviously want to be able to do what you can in the state of Indiana, but there isn't a coach whether it be Tom Allen or Ryan Walters or Jeff Brom or anybody that, that knows that they can make a living uh, out of Indiana football players. Uh, that's just, even though the state is much better than it used to be, uh, back uh, 20, 25 years ago, there's you know, 12, 13 uh, Division One prospects in the state each year uh, on average. So, no, I, I think he knows that uh, Purdue has a national brand, just like a lot of universities, but is able to recruit uh, uh, he knows that uh, Texas, Florida, places where you can get kids to make a difference, uh, he's going to go. But I think his best strength is he just seems to relate very well. You saw a lot of people saw the Devin Mockaby video last night, but also the fact that he's just got got that kind of personality. And he's 36 years old. I mean, he, he seems like he's barely older than the guys that he's working with in the locker room. And I think that's that is, it makes Purdue, Purdue, as I always said about Purdue football, the Boilermaker program needs to be unique, needs to have something a little bit uh, different uh, to sell. Uh, it's typically been offense under Jeff Brom and Joe Tiller in days past. Uh, I think you've got to now have a young guy that uh, has a very good defensive scheme, but also a guy that I think is going to relate well to players in a world that you have to be able to do that with the transfer portal and NIL. Alan, you led me right in my next question. It's a unique perspective coming to West Lafayette for sure because of the defensive aspect plus the age. But now how important does the offensive coordinator hire become? Very important. And I think he was first to say that today. Uh, that was the first question I think that was asked actually by our my colleague Tom Deanhart. And that is that you you know, he knows that it's gotta be fun to watch. He knows that we get he said we gotta put points on the board, we being Purdue. Um, and he knows of the tradition. He, he mentioned that the first statement about the cradle of quarterbacks in the den of defensive ends. 
Well, he knows a lot about defensive ends. He knows football, too. And I think I, I thought it was one of the things he said in the press conference that I thought was really was good. Uh, you know, it was very much the case of being a being a guy that uh, could relate well. Uh, and also, he said, hey, I'm a defensive coordinator. I know what offenses try to do against me. So he knows good offense when he sees it. And I think that that's a big part of it as well. Alan Karpik, president and publisher of GoldenBlack.com, Golden Black Express. Nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Alan Karpik. And, of course, this conversation comes to us via the Motor Shop and Fishers hotline and MotorShop.com. Alan, was Purdue Athletic Director Mike Babinski at all revealing of what stood out the most to him with the hiring of Walters? And if not, what did Babinski share in terms of why he feels confident that this is the right hire at the right time for Purdue as they try to not regress but elevate even further. Yeah, I, I think he felt like, and he said, you know, obviously you expect him to say all the right things. He talked about 12, 12 about a dozen coaches that uh, were vetted along, uh, along the process. He said that uh, Ryan Walters, uh, again, kind of like a, what I had said earlier about gives Purdue a unique uh, perspective, not only from his age, but also where he comes from, what experiences he's had. And he's a guy that, uh, and we've heard this from other sources, that uh, pretty much blew away the interview when he was in, in there with with uh, Mike Babinski and I presume also Mike Berghoff, the chair of the Board of Trustees. This is a guy that really is impressive from that time. And not outwardly impressive. He's not a guy that's just going to, you know, by, by his word salad, make you say, oh, this is, you know, this is it. He is just impressive in his thought process. He's succinct in thought, and he's quietly confident. He said he called himself the best defensive coordinator in college football, and, and the numbers might uh, uh, bear that out over last year. But also he said, hey, i got to find guys that I can work with that come to Purdue that aren't a part of ego. And, and, and Babinski has talked about that being a, being a really, really, really good fit for what they're trying to do here in West Lafayette. Alan, the expectations for the Purdue fan base, I think everybody should be excited when you get a guy, the quality that has led uh, the Illinois defense to what they were. I mean, they gave up the least amount of points in the country, the second least amount of yards. But is it fair for the Purdue fan base to have the same type of expectations after an appearance in the Big Ten championship game? Or do you need to give Walters a little bit of time to put his fingerprint on the program? Well, I'll be honest. I think when this announcement came out yesterday morning at 1030, it was an underwhelming response by people in our sphere at goldenblack.com just in terms of your message board posters. You know, now people didn't know a lot about who he was. uh, uh, We didn't really talk about him a lot in the search process until the last day. Um, So there wasn't a home run response because there was a lot of feeling in the fan base that, hey, we got to hire a name coach. And we got the money to do it, and we're going to go do that. Well, it didn't end up happening that way. Now, uh, we know from the contract, even though the contract's not public yet, that there's about a million and a half more in the assistant coach pool. And I think that that part of it is 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 a is a part to, that gives Purdue a chance to hire a high end uh, coaching staff. Ryan Walters uh, being be able to do that, and I think the fan base is realistic about where Purdue is. Uh, it's a very daunting schedule in 2023 when you add Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule. You've got Fresno State, Syracuse, 
and Virginia Tech in non-conference. There are no easy games for Purdue, especially in those first seven. So I think the key thing that Jeff Baum did at Purdue was his ability to get the fan base back energized, people back in the stands. I think this guy over time will have a lot of just those same qualities. He brings a lot of energy to it. Yes, guys, you know, they got to win. That's, 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 that's stating the obvious. But I really do believe Purdue football fans, for the most part, are relatively realistic about the process, and they want their teams to play hard, to be competitive, and to have a chance. It may take a little bit of time just based on that schedule next year and in a potential roster. They're going to be replacing a quarterback in Aiden O'Connell, a uh, second-team All-American and Charlie Jones at receiver. That, that's going to take, take some time, but I also think that uh, the fan base will be patient enough with this guy. And I think, at least based on first impressions, they're going to like them as time goes on. Alan, when you look both at Purdue's roster right now, you look at the transfer portal and you look at the recruiting class and, and changes potentially being made with that, uh, with Jeff Brom, rightfully so, potentially poaching some of those names and, and potentially bringing them over to Louisville, where in your mind are the biggest areas that Coach Walters needs to focus on right away and get and hit the ground running to retain and add pieces to this Purdue roster for next season? Well, I think the fact that he's actually, you know, they've hired somebody and, and, and he's had a meeting with the, with the team last night. They know who it is. Uh, that's a huge thing to just provide that stability. I, I think on Purdue's roster next year, uh, you know, you had, a, you had one of the top offensive linemen going to the transfer portal. You know, you're going to talk about, you know, finding a quarterback. They've got a couple quarterbacks on campus, one being Brady Allen that they liked, that Jeff Brown liked a lot. Uh, we'll see on that front. But I think in the transfer portal world, you're going to need, uh, you know, you, you've got some defensive linemen uh, that you're going to need to replace and they're going to graduate. Uh, you've got some guys in the secondary. But that's going to be the status. That's going to be the norm. Maybe a little bit more than usual. So the roster re- rehab is going to be essential. But the good thing is, is that you can do a lot of that in, in, in the transfer portal now. Yes, Jeff Rahm, is, there's, there's been five guys that decommitted, I believe, that are heading to Louisville. Uh, that's not surprising. I don't anticipate many more heading to Louisville. You never know. Uh, but I also think that Ryan Walters, there might have been some guys that were headed to Illinois that might be on defense that said, boy, we really like Ryan Walters. We're going to come to Purdue. So that part of it, you know, before National Signing Day, which is, what, a week from today, uh, he's got a lot of work to do. He knows that. He knows that rosters, the two things he's got to do, roster stability, get that stabilized as much as possible and hire, hire a staff. He's not going to have to worry about coaching the bowl game. But I thought it was interesting also that he said today that, you know, I'm not going to do any evaluating, but I'm going to watch our team play hard in the, in the Citrus Bowl on January 2nd. Purdue is going to have a uh, – it's going to be a team in transition without question. But uh, I thought he was just very realistic about what he was about and what he was bringing to the table uh, in, in his tenure, which has already begun here at Purdue. Alan Karpik from GoldenBlack.com, a great breakdown of Ryan Walters being introduced as the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. Alan, we appreciate the time very much. Hope you have a great weekend. All right, guys. Hey, thanks always for having us on. We're always available. We appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. Alan with us on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for Wednesday, and we're going to win you some money. Guaranteed. 93.5-1075, the fan. Jimmy Cook and Brennan King coming to you in the drivehuber.com studios. Heck of a day across the board. Talking Colts, Vikings, talking Purdue. 
talking Pacers Warriors. We got some bets as well, BK. Jimmy, take us home. Oh, come on, Eddie. Oh. Oh. Boo. <laughs> the Jay Cook plays of the day. This is me. All right. I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Today's plays of the day taking the Pacers toward the money line against the Golden State Warriors tonight. Also going to take the Dallas Mavericks on the money line at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Rounding out the night, dogs at home. So we'll ride with them. Taking the Oklahoma City Thunder against the Miami Heat on the money line this evening. 1-1 one one yesterday, rough start to Monday, so 1-4 and four on the week. But BK, you've been hot with the hockey. Yeah, we've been all right. We've been all right. First of all, Eddie's been talking smack all day. <laughs> and you just, you, you just screwed up. I was expecting you to say your bets and then ask Jimmy for his. I wasn't expecting. Oh, I, I don't go first. I let the king go first over here. That's you. (laughs) You are the king. No, 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 no. Uh, All right. So we're going to hit you with two because there are only three games in the National Hockey League tonight. Matt Zuccarello, the Minnesota Wild. He's got a seven-game point streak. He's plus 220 to score. I like that as pretty good value. Alex Dabrinkit for the Ottawa Senators, former Hawk. Shouldn't be a former Hawk. Um. He's got goals. He's got three goals in his last two games, plus 38 to score a goal. I like it. Wouldn't parlay it. Give me Zuccarello to score, Zabrinkit to score. Eddie. I'm keeping it easy. I'm not taking anything tonight. Don't really like anything on the slate. Wow. Uh, Jordan Poole was a, a little bit of a this, look. This for is me. not this is not how it works. I I, I look I Everybody I, gives picks now. I, I love the picks, but I will bail out our producer Fred for a second. I like the honesty. I like not forcing the issue. I appreciate the trade. Oh, I'm, taking, I'm just taking a day, taking a day off. Had the Zion miss last night. Gets foul trouble. Plays, you know, five to seven Brother, minutes less than he normally does in the first man, half. Misses you, four free throws, and we get hooked. You can't play like a baby. You gotta, you gotta get <laughs> no, right back it's, it's in. It's a refresh. It's a, it's a. And I guess you are saving over. your money for a ring, guys. Yeah, so. Stop it. <laughs> oh, baby, we were two and zero yesterday on plays during the show. So far, one and zero today. If the results hold. France leads Morocco 1-0. That was not an Mbappe goal. We're still waiting for that one. And then, of course, the World Cup final will take place on Sunday, so you know we'll have some bets for you on Friday as well. But still a whole show to get to before then. Looking forward to talking to the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, tomorrow as we get closer to Colts-Vikings. Get his sense on how the bye week should refresh this team as they continue to we would joke about the 3% chance, but at the end of the day, these are still people fighting for their jobs, BK, and it should be an interesting contest against Minnesota. There are people fighting for their jobs, and Jeff Saturday thinks he's getting an interview, so let's see if he can get a win. going to be fascinating to see. Thanks to Joel Erickson, Tim Roy, Paul Allen, and Alan Carpet for joining us today. Brennan and I will be back tomorrow. Don't go anywhere, though. John is next on the ride at JMV on The Fan.